The Network Live. News, insights, and stories right here on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Don't miss this opportunity to hear world news, insights, and stories from guests around the world. The Network Live is your pathway to connecting people and ministries. talk to you, I'm going to go back into my Tipping Point series, and um, I want to talk to you about what happened this week uh, in the United Arab Immigrants. Uh, This week, Israel made a treaty with the UAE, United Arab Emirates, and this is in Bible prophecy. So when people, people were asking me this week what I thought about it, and I think it's absolutely miraculous that any Arab nation right now in the world would make a peace treaty with Israel. This is a very significant treaty. It means normalized relationships. They both put embassies in one another's countries. There's open travel between the countries. There's open commerce. There's open tourism. This is absolutely a normalized relationship between Israel and the UAE, which is in the Arabian Peninsula. And so let me show you a scripture here. Um, And so in Ezekiel 38, 2,500 years ago, Ezekiel said, let me tell you what the world's going to look like in 2,500 years. There's going to be a group of nations that absolutely hate Israel. And it's going to be Gog and Magog, Russia, Persia, Iran. It's going to be Togarma, Turkey. It's going to be Libya. It's going to be Ethiopia, which is Sudan. It's going to be all these nations are going to hate Israel, and they're going to invade them in the last days. Interestingly, they all hate Israel. Almost all of them are Muslim. See, Russia, southern Russia is Muslim. Pakistan, Uzbekistan, anything stand, pretty much Muslim. And so all these nations are there. They're all... The geopolitical world that we live in today was prophesied 2,500 years ago by Ezekiel. And so when the Gog and Magog war happens, there are uh, four nations mentioned that resist Gog and Magog, that do not support Gog and Magog. Two of those nations are in the Middle East. Another one's Great Britain. Another one's the United States. And this is Ezekiel 38. Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. To take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, that's Saudi Arabia. Dedan, that's the United Arab Emirates. Sheba is present-day Saudi Arabia. Dedan is Qatar, the United Arab Emirates, Oman, and Yemen. Those nations are listed here as nations that don't go along with Gog and Magog. Listen, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, Britain, and all their young lines, the United States, will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? So 2,500 years ago, Ezekiel says, let me tell you what the world's going to look like in the last days. In the last days, Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, uh, Sudan, all these nations are going to hate Israel, and they're going to make a coalition to come down and to attack Israel. And when they do that, Saudi Arabia... United Arab immigrants, the Gulf states there in the Persian Gulf, 
Great Britain and the United States will not align themselves with you. They will be pro-Israel, and they're going to rebuke you and say, what do you think you're doing? Are you going to come down here and raid these people that are living peacefully to take away what they have? Somebody say amen. That's your Bible. That's your Bible. And so what happened this week is showing you that the Arabian Peninsula is shifting toward Israel just the way the Bible says. And we have a website called endtimes.com. Uh, we had an article came out on this on Friday. We had $7 a month, $77 a year, two or three articles a week on the end times. But we have a free 30-day trial. If that's something that you're interested in, go on endtimes.com. It's the tipping point prophecy update. If you're interested in it, look at it. If you want to subscribe after 30 days, fine. If you don't, that's fine. But at least you can go on there. If you want kind of a continuing education on the end times, that's the best resource I can think of. Okay, so my message today is called, What Time Is It? I'm asking four questions in this series uh, about the end times. And this question is, are we really living in the end times? I mean, what time is it? Um, and, and if we are living in the end times, what should we do about it? And so I want to give you four important prophetic signposts that are going to show us where we're going. So if you were driving to Denver uh, and you were on the right road, you would want to see at some point a sign that says Denver 300 miles or something like that. Signposts tell you if you're on the right road. Signposts also tell you how close you're getting. And so prophetic signposts are telling us, are we on the road to the end? And if we are on the road to the end, how close are we getting? I'm going to give you four undeniable signposts. These cannot be controversial. And by that, here's what I mean. These are absolutely in the Bible, and they're absolutely these have happened in the world. And all of them have to do with Israel. So these are four prophetic signposts. Signpost number one is Israel becomes a nation again for the second time in one day. This is a miracle of miracles. There's never been a nation that ceased to exist twice and came back or be born in one day. Isaiah 11. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea. He will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So the first time that Israel ceased to exist, because of their sins, God took them out of Israel, about 600 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, the Babylonians defeated them and took them to Babylon. Okay? If 70 years later, under King Cyrus, they began to come back. And when they came back, they all came back from Babylon. They all came back from one place. But the second time that Israel was dispossessed, was in 70 AD because of their sins. And the Roman general Titus, who later became emperor, he and the Roman uh, legion defeated Israel, killed over a million Jews, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the Temple Mount, and took all that they didn't kill captive back and scattered them all over the world. So the second time that Israel uh, came back in 1948, they didn't come back from Babylon. They came back from all over the world. They came, this is exactly what this is saying. For the second time, I'm going to regather you, but this time it's going to be from all over the world. That happened. But it happened in one day. This is Isaiah 66. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. So the British had a colonial mandate over Palestine. Israel was a part of Palestine. And the British had a colonial mandate over that area. They released their colonial mandate 
On May the 14th, and on that day, David Ben-Gurion, Jewish leader, declared Jewish independence. Israel was an independent nation. And our president, Harry Truman, on that day recognized Israel as a nation, and they became a nation in one day, just the way the Bible said. The interesting thing about that is Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, who was president before him and died, he would not have recognized Israel. And the other interesting thing about that is when Harry Truman recognized Israel, there was tremendous opposition. There was tremendous opposition for him doing that. After he recognized Israel, Jewish rabbis came into Harry Truman's office one day and said, God put you in your mother's womb for this day for you to make Israel a nation. And he began to weep. And so this, this is signpost number one. The most important signpost is Israel becomes a nation again for the second time in one day. That's a signpost. There cannot be an end without Israel because Israel's all over end time prophecy. Signpost number two. Jerusalem is reunited under Jewish control after 1,900 years. This is Luke 21. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know its desolation is near. This is AD 70 that he's talking about. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But what are those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days? For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So God was mad at Israel and sent them to Babylon for 70 years, and after 70 years, he forgave them. He said, I forgive you, and I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to continue in my purpose with you. God was mad at Israel for 1,900 years. He took them out of the land in AD 70, but in 1967, the Six-Day War Israel only had half of Jerusalem after they became a nation in 1948. But the Six-Day War, June of 1967, they took all of Jerusalem. And Jesus said, Jerusalem would be trampled underfoot by non-Jews until the times the non-Jews were fulfilled. 1967 is a very important date because that's the day that God gave Israel back Jerusalem with his blessing. And what that means is from now until the time that Jesus comes, Israel will be, or Jerusalem will be under Israeli control by God's blessing. Okay. And so um, here's signpost number three. So Israel was reborn. Jerusalem was reunited under Jewish control. Here's number three. The issue of Jerusalem causes the world to unite against Israel. Now, when Israel got Jerusalem, the world went crazy. The United Nations went crazy. Here's what the Bible says in Zechariah. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. When they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, and in the, it will happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all people, and all, and all who would try to heave it away will be surely cut into pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. Jerusalem will be the issue of Armageddon. And so the United Nations will not recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And in, in, in 2017, President Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital, on May 14th of 2018, we moved our embassy. Thank God, we moved our embassy to Jerusalem. Amen. United States did. And President Trump became the first major world leader in 2,500 years since King Cyrus to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Very important day. The United Nations absolutely, totally despises the nation of Israel. The United, Nation, United Nations Human Rights Council from 2006 to 2016 criticized Israel 68 times, three times more than any other nation. And we're talking about North Korea. 
We're talking about Iran. We're talking about some bad people, but they criticize Israel. Of 97 resolutions adopted by the United Nations General Assembly between 2012 and 2015, 83 were against Israel. You could call the United Nations the Hate Israel Club. They absolutely hate it. When it says all the nations have come against Jerusalem, you can check that box. They hate Israel, and they are ready to impose a two-state solution upon Israel and force them to give up East Jerusalem. This is Zechariah 14. This is Armageddon, and this is the second coming. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The issue is Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half of the city will go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. That's the second coming, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to us all. Yes, you, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. You know who those people are? That's you. All the saints, Revelation 19 shows Jesus coming back with his church. We come back with Jesus. And by the way, when Jesus' feet touch the Mount of Olives, we will be right above his head. We will have a ringside seat. You're going to have a ringside seat for the greatest battle in the history of the world, and Jesus is going to win it. Okay, so this is, this is Armageddon. This is Armageddon. And so the second coming is at Jerusalem. Um, and so to this present time, um, we are trying to force Israel to give up East Jerusalem. President Trump's peace plan called the deal of the century uh, calls for the Jews to give up East Jerusalem and most of the West Bank. Okay. And I'm going to talk about that more in just a minute. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, the prime minister of Israel, makes this statement constantly. Is, Jerusalem is the eternal and indivisible capital of Israel. Jerusalem is the eternal and indivisible capital of Israel. And we, I think we, I hear people clap. I think we agree with that. And uh, that statement will cause Armageddon. That's what causes Armageddon. You're watching it happen right this minute as the United Nations absolutely hates Israel and is doing everything they can to try to force them into this two-state solution and give up Jerusalem. Time post number four. The land of Israel is divided. This is Joel 3. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Well, let me stop right there. Okay, so this is Armageddon. The valley of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat means Jehovah is judged. The Mount of Olives is here. The Temple Mount is here. The valley of Jehoshaphat's between them. So when, when the Lord is talking about, I'm going to enter into nations at the Valley of Jehoshaphat, he's talking about Armageddon. And bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment there uh, on, with, with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they've scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. Well, the United States has been a part of a land for peace deal with Israel for decades. And we have tried to force Israel, and we have forced Israel to give up the West Bank. Uh, in 2005, we physically forced Israel to leave the Gaza Strip and give it to the Palestinians. The Gaza Strip is on the Mediterranean, very rich farmland, 
uh, ports on the sea there. That Israel lost billions and billions and billions of dollars a year when we forced them to give up uh, the Gaza Strip. In 2005, under the Bush administration, we forced them out of the Gaza Strip. Seven days later, Hurricane Katrina, Katrina uh, hit the Gulf Coast, and Rabbi Ovedia Yusuf came out publicly and said, God is judging America because you made us move out of the Gaza Strip. And so listen, God says, you're dividing up my land. Israel doesn't belong to any man. Israel belongs to God. And he says, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that I'm entering into judgment with you is because you have taken my land and given it away to somebody else. And by the way, the Palestinian people are wonderful people. The Palestinian leaders are corrupt. They're awful. You know, Hamas, Hezbollah, all those people, they're the most corrupt people in the world. The, the Palestinian people, they're just people. They're lovely people. Jesus loves those people. And so we're not in any way against the Palestinians. But just to say, Israel is God's land. And God says, I'm coming now, and I'm going to enter into judgment with you because you're giving up my, you're dividing up my land. Check that box. I'm saying to you, these signposts are before us every day in the news. What happened this week with the UAE and Israel is in your Bible. These are prophetic signposts, and they're telling us that we're living in the end. So, so what does it mean? So if, if these things are true and we're living in, what does it mean? Number one, we're the final, we are the final generation of this age. I believe, based on what the Bible says, I believe that we are the final generation. Now, when I say that, I want to stop real quick, and I want to say, so what I don't want you to do in response to this message is become a prepper <laughs> and go home and order a bunch of freeze-dried food and guns so you can shoot your neighbors when they try to get your food and stuff. Um, we're, not, we're not preppers. Jesus is coming for us before the tribulation. We don't have to prep except get our hearts ready. Okay, so listen, live your life, get married, have children, go to school, buy a house, have a career, plan for retirement, plan like Jesus isn't coming back for 100 years, but live like he's coming back today. I don't want you to get all froze up in this stuff. I'm, but I'm just saying, we need to be aware of the times that we're living in. Live our lives, go about our lives, plan for the future. But we just need to be watching the skies because Jesus is coming. That's all I'm saying. But I believe that we're the final generation. Let me go back to Joel 3. Now I want you to listen. This is God in the first person speaking through the prophet Joel. Listen to what God says. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people. Well, listen, in those days, and in that same season, the word time there means season, in those days, when I bring back Israel, 1948, at the same season of time, Armageddon's gonna happen. This is God in the first person. He's telling us. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 24. By the way, Matthew 24 is all in times a text. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When the branch has become tender, already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place. So Jesus was, uh, this is parallel with Joel 3. Jesus said, the generation that sees the beginning of the end will see the end of the end. So the million-dollar question is, how long is the generation? Let me say this. The Bible has to interpret the Bible. When you're listening to a Bible teacher, don't listen to private interpretations. So when you say, how long is the generation? And some preacher says, well, the Lord spoke to me. It's 137 years. Well, 
Then they do all kinds of calculations and stuff. Well, baloney. So 2 Peter 1, that's a biblical word, bologna. So 2 Peter 1. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark, dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So when you're hearing a preacher like me, and I began to pull out these esoteric things that God said, rather than looking at the Bible, that's a very dangerous thing. So how long is a generation? Well, let's ask the Bible how long a generation is. Okay, Psalm 90, verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years, or if by reason of strength, they're 80 years. Okay, now I'm about to turn 67. I don't like the scripture. <laughs> I'm not going to memorize it. You know, I just don't like it. Okay, how many of you don't like this? Well, God, how many of you, there's some people in your 70s, people in your 80s, you have to hate this. <laughs> okay, so in 1959, the average life expectancy was 69.9 years. In 2016, it was 78.9 years. So there's been an additional 10 years of life expectancy in the last 60 years, but 70 to 80 years. Okay, that's just, it's not just the Bible, it's, it's the truth. People live between 70 to 80 years. So if a generation began uh, in 1948, May 14th of 1948, how long has it been? 72 years. We're already past the 70-year point. The generation that sees these things will see all things fulfilled. Behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I'm going to enter into judgment with the nations in the Valley of Jehoshaphat. It's just one generation. But here's, here's a little kicker. Okay. Now, this is a point that you could get excited, but I don't want you to get excited. I mean excited kind of in a bad way. Okay. So when Jesus said the generation that sees these things happen will see all things fulfilled, he was including in that the tribulation. Because right before he made that statement, he described the abomination of desolation in the second coming. So let me explain it to you. We're going before the tribulation. The tribulation is the, uh, Daniel's 70 years, 490 years. That's the last seven years that we talked about last week. So we have seven more years that are coming up. That's the tribulation, before the tribulation. Now, next week is all about the rapture. And I'm going to talk about when the rapture is. Why the, and I'm talking about a date, but I'm talking about the time. Uh, why there's a rapture, you know, all of the details like that. There's going to be a rapture of the church. We're going to go up and marry Jesus for seven years. While the world is going through seven years of the wrath of the Lamb, we're going through seven years of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Somebody say amen. amen. That's the good news. Okay. But listen, listen. Jesus talked about the generation that sees the beginning will see the end. Well, when the rapture happens, there's another seven years. So in other words, we're 72 years from 1948, but if the rapture happens today, the clock doesn't stop until the end of the tribulation. So if you add the tribulation to 72 years, what do you have? 79 years. Okay. So you're saying, Jimmy, are you, uh, well, see, my book, by the way. <laughs> Tipping point, subtitle is the end is here. Not the end is near, the end is here. Why do I say that? Because of what I'm saying right now. Are you predicting that Jesus is coming back this year? No, I'm not predicting that. I'm really not predicting that. Um, I never set dates. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world to set dates. All I'm telling you is Jesus is coming. If you believe the Bible, if you believe the Bible, and approximately 30% of the Bible is prophecy, and most of it is end-time prophecy. This is the most prophesied period of time in the world. 
There's never been a time in history where there's been so much prophecy. God wants us to know. And aren't you glad in the days of COVID-19, in the days of social unrest, in the days of economic upheaval, in the days of climate, all these problems, aren't you glad that we know the future? Isn't it the greatest thing in the world? Thank God for prophecy. So I'm saying, as I'm talking about prophetic signposts, it means we're the last generation. We're approaching the end. It's not going to go on forever. And this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. We need to remember that. The second thing is we're experiencing the birth pains that will usher in the return of Jesus. And so, Matthew 24. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to him, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows there means birth pains. Okay. These are the beginning of birth pains. Now, I'm, I was born in 1953, and you know I've lived, I've lived through a lot. I've never seen anything like what's going on in the world right now. I've never seen anything like what's going on in the world right now. And what I'm saying is this. Women are experts in birth pains. Men are not. We just observe. But women know that birth pains start kind of not so bad. Not so bad for us men. Uh, and then they get worse and they get closer together, right? And they get harder and closer together and harder. And the harder they are, the closer you are to giving birth. And so I believe that we are in intense birth pangs, which is about to give birth to Jesus. We're about to see the face of Jesus. Luke 21, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. There have been unbelievable signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And on the earth, the stress of nations. Is there distress of nations on the earth? With perplexity. Perplexity means there's no answers. The nations are in distress and there aren't any answers. The sea and the waves roaring, that's talking about the unrest of people. That's not talking about water. That's talking about the unrest of people. Men's hearts failing them from fear. The word fear there is the word phobos, where we get our word phobia. It means terror. Men's hearts failing them from terror. And the expectation of the things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. I believe that we are in intense birth pains. And what we're seeing is... Jesus. For, for the world, it means the tribulation is about to be birthed. For believers, it means the rapture is about to be birthed. We're about to see the face of Jesus. But I'm saying, I've, in my life, in 67 years of living, I've never seen anything like this. The level of deception, the wickedness of people, the, what's happening in the world right now, I've never seen anything like it. There was a, a, a youth, a group of youth up in the Northwest who's a part of these riots, and they said, we believe in violence, and our our, uh, our desire is not to change America. Our des desire is to completely destroy the United States of America. Just the anarchy, just the, the, the moral rebellion, everything that's going on. Now, in the maternity ward, there are two sides to the maternity ward. There's the pain side, and there's the joy side. And you hear women screaming on one side, and you hear women laughing on the other side. And I'm saying... Now, the, the, I'm a man, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get in trouble on this one. So when you see your child, you forget the pain. Men forget it immediately. Women, not so much. And six months later, the man says, honey, let's have another child. She said, don't look at me, buster. 
So when you see the face of Jesus, you're going to forget all your pain. When you see the face of Jesus, you will know that everything that you went through in this life for him was worth it. Whatever we go through, we're about to see the face of Jesus Christ. These are birth pains. Um, one more thing, that's, it's time to live for God and stand up for our faith in Jesus. Let me read you one scripture and I'm done. This is talking about the tribulation, Christians in the tribulation being killed by the Antichrist. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, the Antichrist shall corrupt with flattery. If, if you are against God, he loves you. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fall by sword and flame, by captivity and plundering. In the middle of the tribulation, there's going to be a group of Christians. People are getting saved during the tribulation. And the Antichrist is going to kill them with the sword. He's going to burn them at the stake. And he's going to persecute them all over the world. And it says, but those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. If people living in the middle of the tribulation can stand up for their God, I'm saying we can stand up for our God right now. It is not time for us to bow our knee to political correctness or to water down our faith to make somebody else feel good. Jesus Christ died naked in front of his mother at the crossroads of the world. He wasn't ashamed of us. We should not be ashamed of him. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity to make him your Lord and Savior. Most important decision you'll make in all of eternity. I want you to bow your heads with me right now, and I want, I want to pray this prayer. And some of you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you, and I invite you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to change and the power to live for you. I give my life to you, Jesus. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you would like to hear a rebroadcast of the Network Live, visit knelradio.com or find our podcast on iTunes and podbean.com. To follow more news, insights, and stories, follow the Network Live on Facebook. If you would like more information about being a guest on the Network Live, contact us at thenetworklive.org. The Network Live will be back next week at 10 a.m. right here on KNEO Radio 95.3 FM and KNEOradio.com. I'm Debbie Rule. Thank you for listening today.